You're listening to a Stranger Podcast, www.thestranger.com. If you're stuck in a relationship quandary, or if you're looking for sexual harmony, everybody, it's Dan. Welcome to the Savage Lovecast, the once a week out loud version of my sex advice column, Savage Love. The number here, 206-201-2720. We have lots of calls lined up. We're going to get right to them. This episode is brought to you by adamandeve.com, where you can find over 18,000 adult entertainment products to spice up your love life. To receive 50% off most any item, plus a free gift with most purchases, please visit adamandeve.com and enter SAVAGE at checkout. Hi, Dan. So thanks to my wonderful, handsome gay friend who directed me to this podcast, and of course, some of your great advice to the submissive woman who was ashamed of her sexual thoughts, I have finally convinced my boyfriend to act out the fantasies he's repressed for years. The sex is great, but I have one question. I assume that kicking a man in the balls can cause some real damage, and I was wondering what I could do to make it nice for him without seriously harming the equipment. Thank you. That fetish or pursuit or interest uh, is called ball busting. And I was going to say of yours, but it's not clear from your call if this is your fantasy or your boyfriend's fantasy, this kick in the nuts thing. I assume it's his. Most people out there into ball busting happen to be guys who are interested in having their own balls busted by hot women. Um, It is relatively safe. Uh, There's a great book on – CBT, which is uh, an abbreviation that I tossed out there and then I defined, uh, cock and ball torture. And the tech savvy at risk youth were really offended that I presumed that after all this time uh, being locked in a room with me that they didn't already know what CBT meant. Just for the record, the tech savvy at risk youth know what CBT means. You, however, probably don't. So you might want to read Family Jewels by Hardy Haberman, A Guide to Male Genital Play and Torment, which is a nice word for torture. We'll just call it Male Genital Enhanced Interrogation Techniques instead of genital torture. Um, you can pretty you can pretty much sock a guy pretty hard in the balls. Balls can take a lot. Uh, balls can probably take as much or more than he can stand. Uh, you don't have to hit a guy hard in the balls for him to enjoy and get off on a ball busting if he's the sort of guy who enjoys and gets off on a ball busting. Um, so you can let it rip. I would also direct you to Xtube uh, or a couple of the other sort of uh, user-generated porn communities out there. And if you search ball busting on those sites, you'll find lots of videos uh, of guys who are in the process of enjoying the excruciating pain of their girlfriends, wives, hookers, whoever, uh, kicking them in the nuts. So don't be shy. Uh, but you might want to call me back and let me know if this was your fantasy, because if it was your fantasy, you are one of the very few female ball-busting fetishists out there, and uh, I'd want to give you a gold star. Hi, Dan. A friend of mine recently proposed to a woman he's been seeing for, I don't know, probably somewhere between two and three years, um, and she said no. I mean, in so many words, um, she said she wasn't ready, and uh, it's obviously been really hard on him, um, but she wants to continue seeing him. They've continued seeing each other, and he's having a really hard time dealing with it. And uh, he came to me for advice about a week ago, and my advice to him, given how difficult it seemed it was for him and uh, how critical the issues it was presenting for him were, and given that I didn't feel like there was a good chance of him getting over it and being present in that relationship 
past this point, I said he might want to consider moving on. Um, and I felt really strangely guilty ever since giving that advice, although I still think it's probably the best advice. But I was wondering what your take on it is. Am I being short-sighted by telling him that it doesn't seem like he will be moving on anytime in the near future and maybe it's best to get out of the relationship and do that moving on on his own? Or is he really going to throw away a good thing if he, if he takes my advice, which is what I'm afraid I may have pushed him to do because he seems to be considering taking it. They're still dating. She seems to care about him. There really is no answer to your question. You know, her saying when he proposed that she was not ready doesn't necessarily mean that she will never be ready. Uh, only he uh, can know for sure. Or only he can look inside and decide for himself whether, you know, she's keeping him around because she wants a man in her life, any man in her life, some male companionship until a man comes along that she would like to marry and that man isn't him. If that's what the rejection meant – uh, of his proposal, then yeah, he should definitely move on. He shouldn't he move on. He shouldn't be played for a sucker like that. It hurts to be rejected. Sometimes you're hurt by people uh, that you love and that you end up staying with for a very long time. I, I've known tons of people who uh, stuck out a premature, you know, the rejection of what it was a premature marriage proposal. There's lots of details you don't include, and you didn't include a phone number. I'd call you back. Like how long have they been dating? If he proposed to her after eight weeks and she said, "I'm not ready." then that was the right and sensible and sane thing to do, and he should continue to date her. She's the one who might want to think about moving on because a premature commitment made or a premature commitment requested is often a red flag for all sorts of other issues that we're not going to get into that may have nothing to do with your friend. But you need to let your friend make up his own mind about what he wants to do. I would encourage him, if he if he's listening to this, uh, to stick around for a while and make sure that She's not just using him for some male companionship until something better comes along. If she really is seriously considering uh, being with him over the long term, the fact that she wanted to kick the marriage proposal down the road a ways could be a sign of her maturity and her suitability uh, as a life partner. Hi, Dan. It's kind in regard to a neighbor of mine. He's a middle-aged family man, and basically it's been going on for about a year. Or in the summer, if I go outside to sit on my porch or... Basically, yeah, just go outside and sit. And if he's alone, he'll go to the window and model different dresses and skirts, complete with, like, his stuffed bra. And um, actually today he was wearing um, uh, stockings, which was quite fetching. If uh, he keeps going, he'll eventually start rubbing himself, which is when I usually go inside. So it's just, that's a bit much. He definitely likes to have an audience and good for him, but... I'd love to hear you make fun of him and me. All right. Bye. Thanks. He has an audience, an unwilling audience. He's drafting an audience, you. You don't sound particularly annoyed or shocked by it. You almost sound a little, I don't want to say you enjoy it or enjoy him or enjoy the sight of him, but you sound a little, you know, titillated slash scandalized slash not all that annoyed. Um, You know, people who go to windows and expose themselves think often that they are you know, protected, that if somebody's looking at them, that somebody out there is going to be perceived as the peeping Tom by the police when the police are eventually called. Uh, and that's not necessarily the case. I've known people who've been arrested for standing at their windows naked uh, and pleasuring themselves. Uh, so he's in a bit of legal trouble, particularly if he ever starts doing this to a neighbor who uh, isn't as bemused by the show as you seem to be. 
I'm not sure that you're even looking for advice here. If you don't want to see it, you should scream up to him to get fucking dressed and to uh, <laughs> redressed and leave you alone. Um, you can threaten to talk to his wife and you can threaten to go to the police and that'll probably put a stop to it. The fact that you're sort of passively and in a bemused way uh, enjoying, if not the show, then the you know the, the gross out factor spectacle of it all. Uh, maybe encouraging him. Uh, you know, there are people out there, exhibitionists out there, who occasionally hit the jackpot and find themselves exposing themselves to someone who is enjoying uh, the exposure. He may assume that you're that person and he may continue to push the envelope uh, so long as you tolerate his behavior. He may – it may begin to escalate. You know, he may appear outside your window in his little outfit sometime soon. If you don't want it to escalate, stop playing along. Uh, stop observing. Uh, warn him that you want him to stop. Tell him you want to stop. Threaten to go to the wife. Threaten to go to the police. And believe you me, that will put a stop to it quick. This episode is brought to you by AdamandEve.com, where you can find over 18,000 adult entertainment products to spice up your love life or surprise a special someone. AdamandEve.com has a great selection of toys, lingerie, and movies. 10 million customers love the quality, the fast and discreet shipping, and the 100% satisfaction guarantee. Visit AdamandEve.com today and receive 50% off most any item of your choice, plus a free gift with a purchase of $17 or more. That's AdamandEve.com and enter SAVAGE at checkout. Hey Dan, uh, this is Ryan in South Carolina. I um, have a bit of a problem with my libido. I, um, I I'm recently married, and I've noticed almost immediately after marrying, I just my sex drive has gone down. A uh, bit of a bit of history is I experimented a lot when I first lost my virginity in the, at the age of eighteen. I've pretty much name it I've tried it and since I've since I've gotten married and gotten very comfortable where my wife I've told her a lot of these things and it's uh, piqued her interest and I told her what turned me on and what uh, what kind of turns me off she's she's really into role playing but um, it just it doesn't really it doesn't really trip my trigger so um, I'm trying I'm trying to figure out how to kind of reset my libido um, I'm trying to be very abstinent, and it's um, it's kind of pissing my wife off. So, any advice would be very appreciated. Okay, hey Ryan, uh, listen to your message. You're calling from North Carolina. Uh, so my very Carolina. first South Carolina. South Carolina. Pardon me. My very first follow-up question: Who are you voting for? Uh, Obama. Obama. Okay. Well, I will give you some advice then. How do, you know? Are you really, or are you just telling me what I want to hear? No, no, no. I, I'm really sick of seeing crotchety old white guys in the White House. So. Good. Okay, well, I will uh, I will give you some advice then and save your marriage. Otherwise, I was going to tell you to go fuck yourself. Listen, there are two things I think that may be at work here. Um, you had a really adventurous sex life, uh, or three things. You had an adventurous sex life, um, and a lot of people will sort of consciously or subconsciously regard marriage is the beginning of their serious grown-up adult life and the end of their sexual adventures. We're encouraged to regard marriage that way. And so we see our spouse not as, you know, this partner in crime that we've acquired, this, you know, the accomplice we're going to have by our side for all of our future sexual adventures, but the reason we don't have them anymore. And that's a very non-erotic role to cast your wife into, or your husband. It's not just uh, men that do this, and it's not just Madonna right. Whore stuff. So you need to look inside your brain and figure out if that's part of what's going on. If you sort of 
all your life thought of a wife as, you know, one day I'll settle down, one day I'll get serious, and I'll put all these shenanigans behind me. If that's how you sort of consciously or subconsciously were regarding your sex life prior to marriage, you have some rewiring to do. Okay. The other thing that maybe... Uh, working on you is you know the whole heterosexual male chase thing you know you you were in hot pursuit of this woman you romanced her you landed her you married her you don't have to chase her anymore she's yours and now you're bored so you're saying my libido is lazy i'm saying your libido may be impacted by you know this typical male arousal pattern around the chase <sighs> and, and and all you need to do is be conscious of that and build the chase into your marriage, you know? There's way, there are ways to do it. There are ways to sort of work around erotically that hang-up. And it really is a hang-up. Well, both of us have full-time jobs. Uh, she does a lot of freelance. I take a lot of odd jobs on the side when I can. Okay, so, and so sex ahead. is hard to get? Time for and honestly, it is. We roughly get anywhere from six to seven hours of sleep a night. Mm -hmm. And it's hard to have recreational sleep along with that. <laughs> uh, do you have lunch breaks? Do you have, do you have dinner? Uh, we work across town. Um, yes, we have dinner. Skip meals. Dinner is overrated. We eat too fucking much anyway. Hey, well, I've actually dropped weight. So, yeah. Well, that's uh, fine. Drop some more. Skip some fucking meals. Like, when people say we're too busy for sex because it works so much, and they watch their relationship deteriorate because they're in conflict about how little sex they're having, and then you start talking to them about how they spend their days, and you, you like, actually look at the time that they spend together and what they're prioritizing in the time that they do spend together, and, you know, they have time to, like, cook dinner for two hours and eat and clean up. Like, fuck dinner every once in a while. You can skip a meal a couple of times a week to, to save your erotic life and save your married life. Yeah, sustenance of her romantic priorities is uh, is starting to solidify in my brain. Put some peanuts beside the bed. There's a lot of protein. You can shove them in your mouth when you're done. Ah, uh, she's allergic to peanuts. Mm. Put a box of fucking saltines by the side of the bed then. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> I vote for goddamn Obama. I was. Um, but the the thing the really thing I really think is going on because it, it happens so often is that people get married and they think they don't think of a spouse the same way they think of a boyfriend or a girlfriend. You know, because when you have a boyfriend or girlfriend, you're still kind of auditioning for them. You're still romancing them because the relationship hasn't reached this terminus, uh, which is how people regard marriage. Like, the relationship kind of ends with marriage. Like, that's the finish line. We are married now. Romance over. And life begins. And you can't think of it that way, or you will destroy your sex life, and it will ding your libido in a bad way. I was just afraid I kinked my hose too much and, um, you know, I just, it, I don't know, I just, I, I go at almost a month at a time to to get the sexual stamina and be able to please her, be able to get my own needs and, uh, and she's, she's tried some of the, some of the kinks, uh, BDSM, role play, all sorts of fun ways to endure pain, but, I just, it just, I don't have the staying power I used Did to. You, and I'm, how old are you, roughly? I'm 28. You're 20, I know, I know. And you don't have the staying power you used to? Is I, it stress? Is it overwork? I could be, could be that. I'm. I, I try to get as much rest as I can. I've, uh, I've taken caffeine out of my diet and. 
I don't know. So what was a few years ago before you were married, like, what worked for you then that's not happening for you now? What's the difference? And uh, go to the doctor, too. You can get a physical checkup, make sure you eliminate any physiological cause. But what's the big diff if you could identify it? Off the top of your head, don't think about it too much. Just say, the difference between my sex life now and my sex life then, blank. What? I was having a lot more than, as opposed to now, of two or three encounters per day. And With lots now, more people? Uh, not lots more people. Um, I was starting to get very exclusive with her, and I had a girl on the side, and I was starting to end a relationship with a boy on the side, and just... So it sounds what? like, was part of what was turning your crank back then, uh, so successfully, the variety? I guess. That would... That, that and sounds... the high wire act, did that, like, get your juices flowing, that you're juggling all these people? Yeah, and... Um... And sexually trying to keep all these three different partners satisfied? It's, uh, and now you're doing a monogamous marriage? Uh, I guess, yeah, yeah. And you're bored? Not bored. Well, not bored. You're not, you're not aroused? I guess not. So I would say that looks like, you know, it looks like we might have diagnosed the problem, McCoy. Uh, right. <laughs> like, I, I don't want to be Clearly, clearly before you were married, your actions and your behavior should have been telling you and your wife that you're not Mr. Monogamy. But but she knew about it, and I'm not saying she didn't know about it. I said clearly it told you and your wife she's not that you were not Mr. Monogamy, and the big the big difference between then and now is not her presence in your life. It's the fact that you are now monogamously married, correct? Correct. And it sounds like it's not making you very happy. Uh, not sexually fulfilled, no. Okay, well there we go. So I had to drag that out of you, but there it is. <laughs> So what you need to do is, like, lay that out for the wife. How long have you been married? Uh, let's say a year. Okay, lay that out for her. It's not too late. You don't have any kids yet or anything, do you? No, 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 no. Oh, no good, kids. good, good. I good. got ones. That's better. So you need to go to her and say, you know what? The person I was actually before we got married, that wasn't an accident, I guess. That wasn't, you know, uh, due to circumstances beyond my control. I think that's kind of the way I, I, I want to live, and I want to live that way with you. And I was living that way with you before we were married, and I want us to be able to have outside sexual contact with other partners. And you can do it in a more structured, controlled way where it's less of a threat to your marriage bond, if not your vows, by getting involved with organized swinging, which is a huge thing in conservative, uh, more conservative states. It's almost bigger than it is in the liberal places. Uh, and that way, whatever outside contact you have is in the context of other married couples who aren't interested in divorce, who aren't interested in finding new partners and leaving the partner they're with. Oh, God, but, I just don't want to get in that scene. But, well, you can get into that scene and save your marriage, or you can keep doing what you're doing, and the frustration and resentment will grow, and your marriage will end. And then you can be single again and fuck everything that moves again. <laughs> I mean, the options before you are you reconstruct your sex life in such a way that it makes it possible for your marriage to thrive, mm -hmm. or you do what you're doing now, which is just <sighs> going to be the slow dissolution of your marriage. Your choice. Uh, thank you for putting it so bluntly. <laughs> Give us a call back sometime. Let us know what you did, all right? All right. Thank you, Anne. Bye. Hi, Dan. Uh, I'm 22. I live in California. Uh, my problem's with a friend I've known for about a year now. Uh, he makes me extremely uncomfortable, so much, in fact, that I dread seeing him at all. Um, I'll call, he'll call, text, or show up at my work every day. 
he'll sit there for five hours until I get out to see if he can come over and hang out. Uh, when he's near me, he just sits and stares. He's endlessly making crude sexual jokes and comments to me, um, mostly about me, that aren't funny. They're just really, really creepy. Um, he'll try and get me to watch porn or, like, sex-related stuff with him a lot. He's always trying to get as physically close to me as he can get away with. He's always trying to touch me, either uh, accidentally or by, like, doodling on my leg, asking if I want a back rub, or he'll just say he really needs a hug. He just always really needs a hug. Uh, finally, I just told him I don't like being touched at all. He's always been, I've always been really open with uh, my friends about my sex, my sexuality, um, male or female, but I can't with him because I give him an inch and he takes a mile. Uh, he doesn't do most of this when my boyfriend's around, and I'll often mention that he's not interested in me, in me like that, which it makes it really hard to just lightheartedly set him straight because I have to call him a big fat fucking liar. Uh, I want to help him, but any advice I give him on how to make and keep friends, he just says, oh, no, I tried that already. Uh, something, you know, it just, uh, it's really hard because, you know, he's just a big loner. He has zero social skills. He suffers from severe depression. Uh, he's had problems with dissociative identity disorder in the past. He spent time in a psych ward, and he's also, uh, well, he's attempted suicide. Um, so what do I do? Do I alienate him like everyone else has and leave him completely alone? I'm really his only friend anymore. Uh, do I slap him upside this, the head with this huge list entitled, you know, 10,000 Reasons Why You're a Friendless Loser That Women Find Completely Repulsive? I think he needs to hear it, you know, straight up, but I just don't think he can handle it. I think if I'd send him off the deep end. You say you give this guy an inch and he takes a mile? Yeah. Don't give him an inch. Don't give him anything. He's not your fucking problem. You're not his goddamn therapist. He sounds like a creep. He sounds potentially violent. He's manipulating you into sexual situations that make you extremely uncomfortable. You sound like you're going to cry on that phone call. Uh, I was actually just really well, <laughs> well, whatever the reason was, you sounded like a mess. Don't have anything to do with this guy. It is not your responsibility that he is so fucked up and so creepy that he has no other friends. Yeah. I don't know. I guess I used to be that, and I kind of feel bad for him. Okay, I feel bad for him and have nothing whatsoever to do with him <laughs> ever again. You know what? Okay. I, see, I, I see homeless junkies lying in the gutter on my way to work, and I feel bad for them, but I don't take them home with me. <laughs> Good point. Yeah. You are, you're kind of playing with fire here. You're doing something that, you know, women shouldn't do, nobody should do, but women seem more prone to, which is... You know, there's this person, he's a basket case, but you can see the good in him, and, you, you know, what you're really seeing is the good in yourself, because you can empathize, right? So there's kind of a narcissism there on your part, because you're being his friend when no one else will be his friend, and you're putting up with this bullshit when no one else will, because you feel so sorry for him. And what you're saying is, aren't I such a good person? Find another way to be a good person. Write a goddamn check to the wildlife fund or whatever, and get this creep out of your life before he rapes you. Wow. Okay. okay. Does it really sound like it might escalate to that point? 
Yeah, it does sound like it might escalate to that point. He touches you when he doesn't wish to be touched. He, you don't wish to be touched. He initiates sexual conversations with you that make you uncomfortable. He suggests watching porn with you. He sits there for five hours and stares at you. You need a hug. What? Yeah, no, he needs a hug. He's sad and he needs a hug. Well, yeah, okay, well, then he can go get a hooker and pay her to hug him (laughs) if he needs one that bad. What he needs is a therapist, and that ain't you. Yeah. He needs help, and that ain't you. You know, we don't have friends because people are so fucked up and damaged that they make us sad and uncomfortable all the time. That's not a friendship. It's a parasitic relationship. It's a parasitic relationship, yes. And you need to be rid of him. You need to stop encouraging him. In a situation like this, you know, the standard operating advice is to gradually cut back your contact instead of all at once cutting back your contact for fear of provoking some sort of outburst or confrontation that could get violent. Yeah. So you need to, like, gradually pull back. No more time alone with him. Do not be. Do not see him alone. Do not have him in your house. One step ahead of you on that one. I already cut off. He can't come over unless my boyfriend's there. Okay. And you know what? So. You just tell him your boyfriend doesn't want him in the house, period. Your boyfriend doesn't want to be around him. Just fucking be rid of him. Not your problem. It's sad when there are people out there who are so fucked up that you just watch them and it's a train wreck their whole life and you can see that they're miserable. But there's not a lot you can do. You can't save everybody. Yeah. You know, you can't really save anybody, said the advice columnist. <laughs> the fly. Okay? You're, you're, okay? you're really playing with fire here. With, you're, you're playing with fire, and you need to be, you need to get this, cut this guy out of your life. Listen to your boyfriend. I'm sure your boyfriend has begged you to have nothing to do with this guy. No, no, he, he, it's not his problem. So he doesn't really say anything about it. I don't know. Tell your boyfriend from me to beg you to have something to do with this guy. I'm going to tell you to get rid of your boyfriend, too. I'm sure I'll hear the podcast. Okay. All right. Talk to you later. Great. Thanks. Bye. Hey, Dan. Um, I'm calling because I've been put in kind of a strange situation. I was out with some friends, and I saw my uncle at a bar with a woman who was not his wife. Um, we talked, and he gave me what sounded like a lie. Um, and now I'm wondering, what's my obligation? Do I need to say something to him? Do I need to say something to my family? Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm pretty <laughs> conflicted about this. Mind your own business. I just don't see how anyone wins in this situation. Um, you've been put in a really awkward position. Your uncle's an idiot, an asshole for carrying on an affair in public. Uh, you may be, perhaps your uncle was in a compromise, you know, the appearance of impropriety and it made him nervous when he was talking to you about it and he actually isn't guilty of anything. Uh, you might want to give him the benefit of the doubt. If you feel you must unburden yourself to someone in the family, I would take it not to your aunt, but to your father or mother, whoever your aunt's sibling is. And lay it out for them and let them decide whether or not their sibling would want to be told about this. Sometimes when people are having affairs, uh, it's because a relationship has reached a place of such dysfunction that people are getting their needs met outside because it's so hopelessly broken inside. But even the person being cheated on and the person cheating, they don't want to end the relationship because there's other good there or just be too much trouble and storm and drag and drama uh, and uh, expense. And so if they've reached some sort of compromise state where they can, you know, she's turning a blind eye, your uncle's doing what he needs to do. 
but having their noses rubbed in the fact that other family members are aware of it now might force them to do something that perhaps neither of them want to do. You just can't know, which is why I think you just mind your own fucking business. If his cheating is so public and sloppy that his niece caught him, it's so public and sloppy that his wife will catch him soon or already fucking knows. So just mind your own business. If you must unburden yourself to someone, go to your parent who's related to your aunt and unburden to them. But I would err on the side of minding your own fucking business. Hi, Dan. My girlfriend uh, and I moved in together a few months ago, and uh, we had a lot of old personal effects that we um, were uh, going through that we hadn't looked at it in a long time. And um, I had my uh, high school yearbook, and and uh, she had uh, some some old pictures of herself. And you know, when when we were that age, it was you know, really hard for me. I, I never had a girlfriend. Um, and, uh, so it, it, it brought back a lot of, of hard feelings for me. Um, but, uh, she put on her, uh, dresser, a, a early teen picture of herself. And, and, um, I look at it every day and it's just so young and, and innocent and, and beautiful and sweet. And I, I never got to date anyone like that when I was that age. And, and it, it, it just seems so unfair. I, I really think I, I deserve that kind of, of experience. And, you know, now, now I'm older and, and she's older and, and I just keep uh, looking every day at that picture. And, and I, I really think I'm in love with, with that person. Uh, the, the early teen version of, of my girlfriend and I just can't get it out of my head. And, and it's, it's really causing me a lot of distress and I, I don't know what to do about it, but I, I really, really think I, I deserve, uh, you know, the, the young, tender, innocent version of, of my girlfriend, not, not the adult version that I, that I thought I was in love with. But, but now I guess I, I really don't know. I, I think I, I need something like that for, for myself. Um, so, um, please, please call me and, and tell me what to do. Before I call this nervous freak back, I just wanted to say that I've had a very similar experience, although I'm not conflicted and troubled about it. Uh, my boyfriend of 14 years has pictures of himself in high school that work my teen beat nerves. And I've looked at them and gone, I just, you know, would it be wrong? Would it be criminal if I got when it, uh, got in a time machine and went back and fucked your ass in junior year of high school? I'd really like to. It would be totally wrong. What if I was a junior in high school and I could magically appear and we could fuck then? I'd really like to fuck the high school version of my boyfriend sometime. Uh, and not that I don't like fucking the grown-up 37-year-old version of my boyfriend uh, if I've been fucking since he was 23. But I understand your pain. But I don't understand your call. Or your question, so I'm going to give you a call back. Hello? Hey, it's Dan. Hi. I just listened to your call, and I'm giving you a call back. Because, uh, you know, I was saying uh, off the air before I got on with you that um, I've had a similar experience. I look at pictures of my boyfriend in high school, and I want to get a time machine and go back and, and fuck the shit out of him in his junior year. Uh, yeah. But but I'm not in conflict about it. I'm not tormented about it. You sound tormented about this predicament. Yeah, yeah. I, I uh, have to come clean. There there really is a picture, and it really does look totally hot. But uh, I just wanted to get on the podcast so I could ask my girlfriend to marry me. 
But you're totally satisfied with the withered old haggard version of her now? This is the least romantic marriage proposal on her. Oh, there's this hot picture of my girlfriend when she was young and hot. I'm so into that. And then there's my girlfriend now, and I'm not so into that. And will you marry me, honey? How's she going to react to that? Well, well, I hope she says yes. Well, I hope she uh, says yes, too. But, you know, if she tells you that she's not ready you, and she wants to wait a while, I wouldn't blame her. You had some making up to do. <laughs> Well, she, she has she has my high school picture as well, you know. <laughs> Does she prefer that over your current reality? Uh, I'm sorry, probably. Get off the phone with this marriage proposal. You take that back. You have to say, I am just as boned for the current version of my girlfriend as I am for the pedo version of my girlfriend. You got to say that right now. Honey, you look better than ever. There you go. Is that close Isn't that enough? romantic? You know, I tell my boyfriend all the time I'd like to fuck him in junior year of high school. I don't say I'd rather fuck you, this junior high version of you, forever. Just like for a night. Jump back in the time machine. Go fuck you. At, yeah, yeah, no. Back to the future and fuck you here again. No, it's, it's, it's true. I, I was uh, really gangly and awkward in, in high school, so uh, uh, I, I keep telling her she wouldn't have had anything to do with me back then, but I don't know. She she, she likes my high school pictures a lot, so so I don't know. Maybe it's love or, or something. So you can lay your high school picture on top of hers and then never broach this subject again. But oh. ask her to marry. You're asking this woman to marry you on the podcast. This is our first wedding proposal. This is a serious marriage proposal. Yes, yes. We we listen to it together. So uh, so so yeah. Um. So hear your <laughs> voice. Right. Hear you extolling her beauty as a teenager and sort of not so into her anymore. Or that was the implication. And then she's going to hear this marriage proposal. Do you think she's going to say yes? Um, well, you you don't ask unless unless you think they're going to say yes, right? If she's listening so, right now so. and she hasn't said yes yet, I want to say something to her. Don't tell him yes or no. Call us and leave a message that says yes or no. We'll play it. Make him wait a week, and then we'll play oh. it on next week's podcast. Just, like, torment the fuck out of him. That's what he's there for, if he's going to be your husband, to torment the fuck out of him. So don't say yes or no, lady. Call me and say yes or no, and then we'll put it on the podcast. Don't 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 listen to him. But listen to your heart, sweetie. You 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 know this is this is what you want, and we can make it work. Okay, who's she gonna who's she gonna favor with her hand? You or me? That's what it comes down to right now. Who's she gonna? Say oh come on, to? look at who's she gonna say look at this to giant ring here. You have a what? Look at this giant ring. Well, good luck. I, I wish you. Uh, I hope she says yes, uh, and then you apologize. Uh, and that you guys enjoy every happiness, as John McCain might say to a lesbian TV talk show host. Oh, ouch. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. Thank you very much. Call us back. Let us know what happened. Speaking of call us back, let us know what happened. Liz writes, one of the things I love about the podcast is how you often ask callers to call back and let you know how something went. It really shows or at least gives the illusion that you actually care about these people, that you want to know what happens, not uh, thanks for the sound bites, done, bye. Anyway, it doesn't seem like we get to hear from many people again. Every once in a while, sure, but not nearly as often as we hear the original call back and tell us how it went. Uh, from you. So my question, are they just not calling back or are you just not broadcasting their updates? People don't call back for the most part. People are ingrates. 
frankly. You know, I'll, uh, at Savage Love, at the column, at mail, at savagelove.net, I'll get a letter from somebody uh, and they'll say, please don't put this in your column. And I'll write them back a response. Sometimes, you know, two, three, four hundred words response. Uh, and as I've done on more than one occasion, a response with a guest expert participating where I'll go and find the person who's an expert in that field and get some advice from them that's just for that person, not for the column, totally private. And I'll email that to the person. Nothing. Not a thank you. Not a, you know, here's a picture of my ass, which is what I most prefer. Nothing. People are ingrates. We invite people to call us back. We have a lot of people's phone numbers because we call them. But I feel weird about giving people a jingle six months later to find out how those genital sores played out. I feel if somebody wants to share, uh, they should share. They should give me a call. I feel people should, you know, they owe me that at least if I beat the fuck out of them here on the program personally. Uh, but for the most part, we don't, we don't get those updates. We welcome them. We beg for them. We would do whole shows with nothing but updates on some of the calls we've gotten if people would only give us a jingle back. And the phone number where you can give us a jingle back if you have a question or if you're a past caller who wants to give us an update, 206-201-2720. You download the Savage Lovecast every week at thestranger.com slash savage. I blog every day at slog.thestranger.com. And that's it. The tech savvy at risk youth and I will be back at you next week with another installment of the Savage Lovecast. Uh, Enjoy the end of your summer, everybody.